Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We often learn and attain knowledge for the purpose of handling life better. But as we reach the middle of the letter to the Ephesians, Paul shows us that there is something greater that will change our lives. And he does this through prayer. We're really glad that each and every one of you are here this morning and have joined us for such a wonderful day. Uh, Today we're going to continue our series in the book of Ephesians. And uh, so if you have your Bibles with you, or you have your Bible app, go ahead and turn to Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 3 today, and uh, that way you can be prepared. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have an app, it will be on the screen for your convenience uh, when we read from it. But uh, today we're going to basically move to the very middle of the letter. And there's really two parts to the letter. And what Paul writes to end that first section really uh, embraces everything that he has shared to start and leads us into the next section. So today is this, this almost this interlude, this, this movement that connects the beginning and the end. And as we ponder this, I want to talk a little bit first about something that we we hold in high regard. Knowledge. Knowledge is? Yeah, that's the one that I'm used to. Knowledge is power, right? We're used to that. Is there any other knowledge is statements? No, that's the one that we know of, right? We value knowledge, do we not? In fact, as you begin to learn, as you begin to understand some things, you you're able to answer questions. You'll be able to, to uh, address issues that come, come about, right? After all, our doctors don't go to medical school for eight years and memorize this, that, these, and those for nothing. They do it because they are looking to solve issues, right? They're looking to remember and recall all the different kinds of things that could be going on with this human body and address it in some kind of way, right? We treat knowledge in our world very much as science approaches knowledge. The more you have, the better you understand the world. The more that you have, the better equipped you will be to live your life. But how many of us have gone to a doctor (laughs) and they can't figure out a diagnosis for you? Or how many of us Have you ever read quantum physics? Anybody read quantum physics? Yes! Thank you, Jonathan. You're my man. But there are are quantum physicists that are trying to understand the very makeup of the universe. And some of the findings have left them just, what? What is going on? They can't really get it because it doesn't seem to, well within the laws and the knowledge that we already know. It seems to be breaking the patterns, right? I'm sure we have a a PhD in math here. Does math ever get weird? Yes. (laughs) Two plus two equals four, right? Most of the time. Most of the (laughs) time. She said most of the time. Exactly. As you, as you attain more knowledge in the world, 
you sometimes come to the realization that actually the more you know, the less you know. In fact, that's actual great wisdom. The more you know, the less you know. So knowledge is this tricky thing where we do embrace it. We look to learn. We, we, we want to understand. But we also have to recognize that knowledge itself will not always provide the answer, will not always provide understanding, will not always provide us exactly what we need. The wonderful thing about this is that Scripture addresses this a million times. If you read the book of Job or you read Ecclesiastes, you will find that the life that we have isn't always defined by if you do good, good things will happen to you. No, no, that doesn't always happen that way. <laughs> and so today, it is really, Paul cites the, the concept of knowledge in this passage. And he says something quite, well, radical. He says that there is something beyond knowledge for life. There is something greater than knowledge for life. And he shares this in the form of a prayer. Now, prayer is, quite frankly, an opening, a communication with God right? That's as easy as this. There's different kinds of prayers. There's, there's exciting prayers. There's prayers of thanksgiving. There's prayers of, of grief. There's prayers of lament. There's prayers of confession. There's prayers of begging. But in this moment, Paul prays in a very specific way that connects the knowledge that he has shared with us in the beginning of the letter to the life circumstances he's going to share in the latter part of the letter. So let's review just real quick. What is the knowledge that Paul has given us? Especially if you've never been here before and you're like, I'm in the middle of a series, you need to catch me up. Uh, if you ever want to hear it in its entirety, you can go online, you can watch or you can listen, uh, either on our Facebook page or our website. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast and listen, you know, whenever a new one comes up. But essentially, the past two weeks, we've learned these two things. Ready? The will of God, what God is doing with the world, what God is doing with you and I, what God is looking to do with this entire universe is to bring all of it under the reign of Christ. In other words, his goal is that all would be redeemed to him would accept this amazing forgiveness of sin, would, would accept this radical way of living where we, learn, we, we live in love and peace with each other and with the created order even. That was the first week that we talked about. This is where the world's going. Whether, however much you want to participate in it, this is where the world's going. The world is going to be under Christ someday. And the that history is moving towards that. And you and I have the opportunity to participate in bringing people to God's great reign, to God's great life. So that was the first bit of knowledge that he shared with us. The second bit of knowledge that he shared with us is that because of this, the barrier between humans is gone. 
Now, in particular, he looked at the barrier between Jews and Gentiles, and in that day and age, it was the people of Israel and the rest of the world. But really, as you expound upon that, as we live in a different world today, there is no barrier between you and I and you and your neighbor and you and the person living on the other side of the world. There's no barrier for us to live in right relationship with each other because Christ came not just for you and not just for me and not just for this church, but for the entire universe. And so any, any, any marks of division is, is not to come out of somebody who believes in Christ. Rather, we live in a peace with everyone else, regardless of what somebody might do to us, regardless of the fears that we might have for somebody, that barrier is gone. And that makes sense, doesn't it? If everything's going to come under Christ, if everything's going to be redeemed, then it makes sense that there's no barrier between us to have a right relationship, a relationship of love, a relationship of forgiveness, a relationship of peace. And all that sounds great. How does it happen? The second part of the letter is specific life circumstances where this begins to be played out. But how do you get to that point? How do you, is it just simply a, if I learn how to do it, I'll do that. Well, <laughs> You know, if anything I've learned in the past year is that no matter how much knowledge you have, humans are still going to do whatever they want to do. <laughs> think of the time that you, think of the time that you have done something that you don't want to do with your life. And you say, I know this is not the right thing for me to do. And then you still do it, right? How do you move? How do you receive that transformation that God has? And it's right here, it comes in the form of a prayer. Would you read with me Ephesians chapter 3, beginning with verse 14? This is Paul speaking. This is why I kneel before the Father. Every ethnic group in heaven or on earth is recognized by him. See, he's continuing this theme. There's no barriers. Everybody is in one family together here. So here's what Paul prays. I ask that he will strengthen y'all. It's, it's second plural. So just so you know, I'm going to speak Southern for the moment. I ask that he will strengthen y'all in your inner selves from the riches of his glory through the Spirit. I ask that Christ will live in y'all's hearts through faith as a result of having strong roots in love. And I ask that y'all will have the power to grasp love's width and length, height and depth together with all believers. I ask that y'all would know the love of Christ that is beyond knowledge so that y'all will be filled entirely with the fullness of God. Glory to God who is able to do far beyond all that we could ask or imagine by his, by his power at work within us. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and always. Amen.
No offense to our northern culture, but you guys just doesn't work as well as y'all. But his prayer is for the church in Ephesus. It is a group of people. It is a corporate understanding. It's not an individual person. It is all of them. And he is praying this for some good reasons. One, the reasons that we just talked about. The two bits of knowledge that we talked about, that the world is going towards redemption in Christ and that the barrier is broken between all people. That's one reason that he's, he's praying. The second reason is this. If you read the passage right before it, you will begin to understand where Paul is. Paul is in prison. Not a place that many people like to be. Prison in the ancient world is not near as nice as the prisons that we have today. He is in a very difficult, desperate place. And he himself is praying for that reason. He's praising because he is separated from the people who he loves. He's separated from this church, but he also is going through a difficulty. And he himself needs help. But the third reason is this. Paul was a Pharisee before this letter. Pharisees were some of the most divisive people in the ancient world. In fact, you could compare them to a lot of people in, in today's world who are divisive. They're not good enough. They are not pure. They can't come and worship God. They can't do this because of A, B, C, or D. That is what the Pharisees did. Their goal was to say, we need to be as pure as possible as the kingdom of Israel for God to love us. So if you did a sin, you weren't worthy. And if you had a, if you had a skin condition, you were dirty and you couldn't be. And oh yeah, if you don't even believe in our God, we ain't talking. Paul would not be caught dead with the majority of the world because of all the things that he believed. He was one of those people who were divisive. So to hear from his mouth that the wall, the barrier between people is gone, he might have some growing still. He himself is praying this because the people in Ephesus need to be prayed for in this way, but he himself still needs the power of God that is rooted in love for him to live what he is saying. He is praying this for the church, for the church in the rest of the world, and even within himself. So what is the thing that he prays? Well, it all starts with the word, I ask. What do you do when you say, I'm going to ask you a question? You are opening yourself to receiving, right? Asking is a form of opening yourself for receiving. And so this prayer is a prayer 
that he is opening himself and opening hopefully the church by sharing this prayer with them to all that God has. And what he specifically is asking for is not about, hey, God, get me out of this prison. Or, hey, God, would you deal with my brother who is annoying me on Facebook? Or, hey, God, would you give me the lottery, please? <laughs> He's not praying for personal circumstance. He is praying for a macro understanding. He is praying that the church would live into the realities that he has talked about. And what is those realities? The reality is that the power of God is upon the people who follow Christ. And that power equips them to do the thing that God wants us to do, to love others, to love God, to bring people together underneath Christ. He's praying for that. And he specifically begins to talk about God's love and how big it is. That's intentional too. Notice that he says, he uses four words. I ask that you have the power to grasp loves, God's loves, width and length, height and depth, together in all, with all believers. That's a four-dimensional understanding. Why would he say width and length, height and depth? Well, because God's love stretches as far as east to west. God's love is as long as north to south. God's love reaches into the heavens and into the very universe that we don't even understand. And it reaches down into the depths that we don't understand. Even the depths of hell. God's love is big. God's love is open to every single creature, every single person, every single squirrel, everything, everything in the entire universe. God's love is open. And what he is saying is, I am hoping that you have the power to grasp this. I hope that you find yourself in the power of God to love as He loves you. Do we understand what God's power is? See, God in His power created this world. God in His power emptied Himself to provide forgiveness and new life. And God's power raised His Son from the grave. I don't know about you, but if you want to talk about power, that's something that none of us have. But that power is connected and is rooted in His love. It's not power so I can have great authority and be a king and all this. No. He empties himself so that you and I might be united with him and so that the whole world would be united with him.
So his prayer is praying that the church in Ephesus, and I believe for us, is understanding that power, that it's rooted in love, that we really can live in the way that he said. That there is no barriers between humans. That there are no divisions between us. That we can accept people as they are and, sh- and show them love. And Christ will begin to work in their lives. I always laugh. At, 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 I don't laugh. I don't laugh. I don't really laugh. I'm sorry. I don't laugh. That's just a filler word. I'm always interested, though, and saddened when I hear somebody who says they believe in Christ and they say, well, I can't forgive them. The power of God that raised Christ from the grave is in you. You can forgive them. I can't accept people who do this. Baloney. The power of God who created the entire world that is rooted in love is upon you. You sure can accept those folks. I can't give up this sin. I can't stop doing this. Oh, you better believe that the power of God rooted in love can work within you a brand new creation. And I think this is something that people in the church struggle with the most. The world is so terrible. I'm just going to do my thing and let them be. Oh boy, that's exactly opposite of what Christ has done. And the power of God allows us to move past the things of this world and to love and bring peace. See, too often, our faith is really small. And I think one of the reasons why is because so often we pray about ourselves. We pray about ourselves. And it's good to pray about the things that you are struggling with, but if your prayer is only within your life, only in your timeline, and it never expands to the universe that is, you will have a very difficult time having the love of God and experiencing the power of God to love people differently than you, to be open to people who are different than you. N.T. Wright says this, prayer brings together love and power. The relation of love that grows up between God and the person who prays and the following of power from God too, and especially through that person. Prayer is the posture where you and I receive the ability to live like Jesus has called us to live. But if it's only about individual stuff, we won't see what God is doing big picture. And if we're not seeing what God is doing big picture, what we'll begin to do is we'll try to use God for our own personal means. And we'll look into Scripture and say, hey, doesn't doesn't Scripture say this and I can do this? Come on, y'all. Stop. 
That's not what this is about. This is about God saving us for new life. When, uh, when we talk about these things of real peace in the world and real love and radical forgiveness, we mean it. It's not, it, it's not this metaphor. It's real. When Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, He means it. When He says, love your enemies, He means it. When He says, if somebody smacks you across the face, give them your other cheek, He means it. We need to stop looking at Bible, the Bible and saying, well, that's, he was just being metaphorical. No! Get smacked on both sides. Because what you want to do is you want to smack them back. But that's not the way of Christ. The power of God that raised him from the grave lives in you. So you can, yes, turn your face. But the only way for this to happen is to actually pray. Prayer is essential for you and I to begin living this life. Because prayer, prayer is asking. It's an opening. It is opening of ourselves. And it's why he says, I pray that he would give you inner strength. It just doesn't come from, well, I should turn my other cheek. So, hey, guess what? I'm going to... You need to have inner strength to be able to deal with that. You need God's power within you to react in that way. Prayer asks for change in ourselves. The actions that we do, the words that we say, we, our prayer opens ourselves that God is working in ways around us that we're maybe not ready to accept yet. And beyond that, and if we think that faith is simply, oh, I'll just learn this and I'll get it, I have a can-do attitude. I can do all things. Knowledge is power. You're going to fail. Because knowledge isn't power. It's the God who was raised from the grave that gives you the power to live in this way. We must pray for God's power which is rooted in love to lead us in life. And as we do that, we will begin to treat others differently. We will begin to accept others. We'll begin to serve in ways that aren't self-seeking, but rather are edifying to those around us. We will give in ways. It's not about us hoarding our resources, but rather giving to each other. But we must have the posture of prayer. So today, the question is, what is your prayer life like? Do you have a prayer life? And is your prayer life confined to little old me and my family? Or is it bigger than that? I was reading a, or a commentary this week, and uh, he, he quoted his, the, the guy who was writing it quoted his grandfather and caused me just to stop in my tracks. If you want to know what a person really believes, listen to what they pray. If you want to know what a person really believes, listen to what they pray. 
Are we praying beyond ourselves and the things that we want in this world? Are we praying for the greater vision for God's will to be done in this world, and that is all things would be redeemed to Him? Are we praying for others? Are we praying for God's power to root us in love to be able to react in every circumstance? Are we praying for His presence to be upon us? And it's almost like second nature to live rightly, to do the things that Jesus said. Are we praying for the church? Not just this church, but all churches. Are we praying for this world? That God's will would be done and that we would be participating in it. You see, friends, prayer life cannot just be about ourselves or we will find ourselves only addressing the things in our own lives instead of the world around us. In other words, friends, if there's one thing that I want you to hear today is this. Your prayer is bigger than you. Your prayer is bigger than you. And my hope is that you pray a bigger prayer than yourself. That you would open yourself up to all that God is doing in this world. And that his power would root you in his love. And yeah, guess what? You will be able to let go of that habit or that sin. And you will be able to forgive that person. And you will be able to accept somebody who's completely different than you. And you will be able, well, quite frankly, to be exactly what Jesus has called us to. So the only thing left to do today is to pray. If you want to come forward and, and, and kneel at one of these altars, I encourage you to. If you want to kneel right where you are, I encourage you to. But friends, there's a reason why Paul kneels before the Father. It's a posture of asking God to do what we often think is impossible. It is a posture of begging God. Give us what we need to live faithfully. So, in the next few moments, if you feel led to come down and kneel at this altar or kneel right where you are, please do so. But it is in this posture that we open ourselves to the God who has created us and the God who has saved us and the God who is saving this world. All of it. So may we have open ourselves to his bigness, his grand design, his will. May we ask for his transformation so that we're a part of it. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., we are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.